Thanks for downloading this episode from Teachers Talk Radio. You can find the full schedule and listen back to all our shows at ttradio.org. This show is brought to you in partnership with the Witherslack Group, experts in special education and care. Enjoy the podcast. Okay. And good morning, Susan, and welcome. Good morning. How are you today? <laughs> I'm I'm excited about this and I'd like it to work out really well. I'm sure it will. Let's go for it. Yeah. Tell me, um, at the moment you're you're based between the UK and Brussels. Can you tell me a little bit about your teaching journey and how you got there? Uh, I think in a nutshell, okay. I would say I graduated from university at 21 and I did a degree in in English, French and Italian. And I found that I actually really liked translating. Hmm. And you translate into your mother tongue. That's what you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. When I was doing this, most of my problems were not because I didn't understand the other languages. It was because I never really understood what I was saying in English. <laughs> wow. And so a best example is I knew, for example, um, Je suis allé. I went, mm. but I have gone. Didn't sort of figure into my equation at all. Mm-hmm. And so I was getting confused. And I thought that um, the reason was because in high school, I didn't learn English. English was creative writing Mm -hmm. or Macbeth. And that was about it. (laughs) Yeah. So I decided that if I go and teach English as a foreign language, it would be my opportunity to learn English properly and to learn grammar. So in International House Piccadilly, I was looking at grammar via French, German, or Italian. And that's how I learned English grammar. <laughs> Teaching it. It's not. Yeah. It's yeah. yeah. Uh, it I- is quite interesting because I'm, I'm here in Italy and my kids study grammar at school. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a, it's a big thing. Whereas certainly I don't remember focusing on tenses and you know, when I started teaching that, I think that was the first time I, I actually understood. I don't think I, I was understanding time, tense, and aspect were the, the oh. things that really, I was like, oh, never thought of it that way. I understood it in, I understood it in French, German, Italian. Mm. I didn't understand it in English. So that was the only way to do it. So it gets really interesting when you think that, um, Even today, this um, native English language teacher and non-native is still there. Mm. This whole debate still still exists. It's quite heated at the moment, I think. That's that's why I said it. Mm. And the main thing that's put towards the native speaker is you don't know, you have no knowledge of the language and the grammar. Mm. And I think... It might be true, but I'd like to put my hand up and say, it's not true about me. (laughs) And it was true about Mm. a lot of teachers, but I'm not sure that part works now. Mm. I think, but I think that, you know, I think certainly there's a certain amount, quite a lot has actually been said now about this debate. It's not about uh, where you're born. It's it's your your qualifications and the work that you've done and um I do hope you will tell us I mean I've I've obviously I obviously have your book and I've I've um I've read your journey um I'd just love you to share it with us because you okay the rest of the journey how I that's just how I got into it I know I've only answered the question (laughs) the first part (laughs) the second part was then I did an RSA cert TEFL which is before CELTA existed. Mm-hmm. Um, I went in London and I was offered two jobs. One was in Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. And wow. the other one was in Casablanca, Morocco. And which did you choose? 
I chose Casablanca, Morocco for one reason. What was that? It's warmer in the winter. Definitely, yes. <laughs> Canada. Oh, I, I remember going on a skiing holiday with my parents as a teenager. And I don't think I've ever been quite so cold in my life as I was on that particular that holiday. got me scared. But I should say, I arrived in, when I arrived in Casablanca, um, it's not the city that it is today. Hmm. So, for example, I couldn't go, I couldn't go and there, there were no, there was no fast food. Mm. So I couldn't go out to eat, really. Um, and if I wanted to make anything, I had to learn to make from the very beginning. So if I wanted a pizza, mm. I had to learn how to make a, a simple pizza. My goodness. So there was no deliveries in that sense, nothing like that. Restaurants? Very different. There were some restaurants, yes, but more at the expensive end. Mm -hmm. And I was an EFL teacher starting out, so <laughs> I wasn't going there. Anyway, um, I also did, um, I did one year in Germany, right in the middle of the Black Forest, which was beautiful. That's quite, a, yeah. And it wasn't cold or it, was, it would have been cold, yeah. Um, it was cold in the winter, mm. but snow, it's a totally different story. Mm. Okay. Um, I also did summer schools in England. Mm -hmm. And then I, ha I, I had to go back to Cardiff, mostly because my daughter wasn't well and she was a baby then. Mm -hmm. And um, in Cardiff, I ended up moving into Ethel, which yeah. was really interesting. I, now to me, to me, they're all one. They're all teaching English. But it seems like it's all got divided at some mm. point and how, I don't know. So Ethel in the UK is a totally different kettle of fish and you're not supposed to be able to do ESOL and EFL. Oh, why is that? I was told. But you said you said you. I mean, in your in your description of yourself, you've you you've actually done ESL, ESP, EAP, and yeah. ESOL. <laughs> but before they were before they were divided. Mm -hmm. so in Germany, I taught um, ESOL. No, I taught EFL to students in a Fachhochschule, mm -hmm. um, like a, a higher, a, higher, higher education. Higher education. Okay. And they were all um, doing information, it, they called it information technology. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I did that. In Morocco, I taught people who were doing what they called informatics. Um, and we did translation from French <laughs> into English uh, in and from English into French okay. as part of the course. But actually they were both they were both information technology people and you were teaching yeah. them English, really. Yes. <laughs> yes. So but then I'm told today mm -hmm. I'm not I'm not an ESP teacher. EAL, I'm told I'm not an EAL teacher. <laughs> but actually In you are. <laughs> But in ESOL, mm. there are now separate qualifications. Mm. But there were, it didn't exist when I, the very first time mm -hmm. I, I started on, after doing my PGCE, I started on a Monday with four hours teaching ladies in um, a part of Cardiff. And I had to figure out how to teach them. I think I read about that. Um, I did mention it in there. Yeah, yeah. you do. You do. They are amazing ladies. Amazing. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about them um, before we go on to police all. Okay. <laughs> they were amazing because they're amazing because they have had no or very little education. Very little is a number of them were their education was um, interrupted by the civil war in Somalia. Mm. 
that's really so they they didn't get any further they um the one year a whole group of ladies came in from somalia yemen and the people with some education came from pakistan okay and um they didn't know any of the international words hello goodbye coca-cola mm-hmm. you none of them that's amazing there. isn't it so you're talking about um, very little education. I, always, I imagined them as a very blank, brand new whiteboard that no one's ever touched. And how did you approach that? How did you? Um, I think help? it's the same. I think for me, it's the same as this whole non-native or native speaker. Everyone has strengths and weaknesses. Everyone has some knowledge, mm-hmm. okay? And maybe it's not the knowledge that I'm expecting them to have, that mm. I shouldn't make assumptions. So I went from the principle that these ladies, they can cook up a very, very delicious meal. <laughs> they don't have a piece of paper with, yep. the, with the, the meal written down. They don't follow recipes. It's all in their mind. Mm. And that's the principle that I started on. Wow. The rest of it I explained in the book. <laughs> well, and that's you're... the principle I started with. Mm. Everyone has got strengths, mm-hmm. everyone has got weaknesses. The important thing is that you're aware of them, that the teacher is aware of them, because teaching people you are building. Okay. Those those ladies from Somalia and Yemen, I had to find something to build on. And the final result? Um, some of the ladies um, went on. Actually, the final result is that some <laughs> of the ladies picked up the opportunity that was given to them to do um, step one and step two of the Trinity ESOL Skills for Life exams. Wow. They went Amazing. in and did step one or step two, mm-hmm. and they all came out with massive smiles on their faces. And we all said, the result doesn't matter. That's in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah. They had a great time. And that's why I decided later I wanted to become a Trinity examiner. <laughs> because it's about the experience yeah it's a very different experience isn't it a very different experience yes you mentioned um um you mentioned quite a lot of things in your book um when we when we spoke the other day um you you base this you base your book on lessons from the classroom um and what you've learned from your learners. Is there um, a particular um, a particular thing that you do to instill confidence in your learners, not just teachers? I think it's about never forgetting that you're teaching people. Mm. And people have got to feel safe with you. They have to feel safe in the classroom. Um, You have to set boundaries Mm. in the classroom. Um, And then you can build their their confidence is there and you're building their confidence throughout every lesson. What boundaries do you set? I've, I've thought about this mutual respect there has to be mutual respect so you have to respect them Mm -hmm. and they have to respect you and if I'm going to stamp on someone it's when they stop showing respect for for the other people in the room yeah you mentioned I mean the unteachable student there's a little anecdote obviously about boundaries and um, what you do (laughs) I never called him unteachable that was another teacher mm-hmm. in the teacher's room who was feeling very exasperated 
because he did not have the ability to meet the teacher's expectations. Mm. And that included keeping his bottom on the chair. Mm. So, uh, and I was just, I think that's horrible. It's Mm. a really horrible thing to say. Mm. Nobody is unteachable. No. At all. The question and the, the challenge for the teacher is, what can I do to impart the knowledge that I want to impart to him? Mm. What, 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 um, what reasonable adjustments, to borrow from the law in Britain, what reasonable adjustments do I need to make? And he was quite a journey. Um, he mm. was quite a journey, but happily, I did not have 24 people sitting in the classroom. Mm. In small classes. How many did you have? I had between six and eight. Okay. All the same nationality, mm-hmm. all male. Ah, okay. And how did the others react to the so-called unteachable, but you, um, um, you don't call him that? Um, <laughs> <laughs> for our listeners they might like to know what kind of um, behaviors were there that um that upset this other teacher that was teaching him um he he had a very small attention span mm-hmm. he um had trouble keeping his bottom on the chair mm-hmm. He would um, get up and say, I need to go for a cigarette break. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he, really, those were the things. Yeah. But happily, the others in the class were the same nationality. Mm-hmm. And they were aware of, they were more interested in my reaction to him mm. than his, his behavior. Okay. Which was good. And how did you react? (laughs) The main thing I never, ever did was get, I stayed calm. Mm -hmm. And in my head, I kept a distance between him and me. Mm -hmm. So he could quite easily, without even knowing he was doing it, he could quite easily draw the teacher in and the teacher then is going round and round in circles Mm. and getting nowhere it's a quite that's quite a familiar scenario I'm sure many of our listeners may have found themselves in a situation like that how did you deal with it okay it was it took it was a period of time Mm -hmm. and so not a quick fix solution. It was a, it was no a quick fix solution. And <laughs> yeah. um, one of the things I felt with him was that he was dealing with a huge amount of testosterone. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I asked him was, um, have you joined a gym? Oh. No, but I'm looking for a gym. Right. Let's let go and join a gym. Bring the details to me. Let's get you in the gym. You need this to help you settle down. Mm-hmm. He did. Many was not a consideration. He did. Um, I also at times told him that, um, well, that's okay. Yeah, you can go for a, a, a cigarette break. That mm. your con- my condition is that when you come back into the room, you must not disturb the other students. If we're doing an activity, you have to come in quietly. Mm -hmm. You have to insert yourself in the activity. Mm. What the activity is, et cetera, all of that, that's your your problem. You went out for a cigarette break. You have to do this. You cannot disturb the others. Okay. So then we we moved up a little bit. And I I think one day at the end of the lesson, I said to him, "Um, you do know something, don't you? you're not going out for a cigarette break. (laughs) No, you're going out because you can't keep your bottom on the chair, aren't you? Yes, Susan. Hmm. 
So it, it's about building things up. Um, I also, he was also involved in the um, uh, IELTS task one, introducing a process mm -hmm. and writing about a process. So first of all, I always think, okay, do they know what a process is? Mm. Well, these boys, you can't, you cannot say to them, boil in an egg. No. <laughs> They're very, very privileged. They have never boiled an egg in their life. Mm. Okay. So I um, thought, okay, well, what process do they know? And, okay. They go to the mosque on Fridays, don't they? When you go to the mosque, you, you go through a process. Hmm. So I got them all to stand up. I thought, right, we'll have no bottoms on the chairs. Everyone hmm. stand up, everyone around the whiteboard. And I said, right, what we need on here is a list of the verbs of what you do when you go to the mosque on a Friday. I had an advantage. Hmm. I know what happens. Mm -hmm. And also, I had a, um, another teacher who was there to keep an eye on him. Mm -hmm. um, and I knew that she didn't know. Okay. So I turned it on its head mm. and said, okay, now I need you to tell her what <laughs> happened. And because um, they'd already worked out that I knew and that I understand, understood some of the things they were saying. Mm. And um, we got them, we got everything on the board. Um, one other student, not, not him, he got very involved and very excited. Another student um, got on the floor and showed her how to pray. <laughs> it was great, brilliant. Wow, yeah. Really good. Um, an hour and a half, he didn't go for a, a cigarette. Mm -hmm. So I thought, hmm, this is interesting. But he was explaining to her different things. Why do you wash before you pray? He was explaining all these different things. Mm -hmm. so it turned out to an hour and a half of a, really, it was an hour and a half conversation class mm. in which I made use of her. Mm. I made use of them. And I made use of the concept of the process when you go to the mosque. And also the, the strategy of doing a class standing up. I mean, yes. I have, you know, I have, I have a son who's 12 and I get messages from his teacher saying he can't sit down. And I'm like, well, you know, eight till two for a 12 year old sitting down all the time. Um, and there are other, I mean, there are adults that need to stand up and move and, um, so can... this young man at the time he was 19 yeah 19 um so we did all of that I also I got the the verbs on the board I asked them and this was my strategy with homework I asked them to write the list of verbs down to put them into a paragraph and give them to me as homework mm -hmm. but I also told the class and especially him if you do the homework it only benefits you. If you don't do the homework, it makes no difference to me. I said, because I've already been to university. I've been to four universities. <laughs> don't you want to do your IELTS to go to one university? Mm. So it doesn't matter. It's up to you. Um, the interesting thing about that one was he actually did the homework for the first time. So... I movement, thought, movement yeah. responsibility yeah. yeah you're ticking all the boxes and, but also he I gotta say this on a personal level he was amazing mm. my mum went into hospital and it wasn't it was about a year before she died he came to find me he wasn't with me then but he came to find me to say um is there anything I can do I'm really sorry um, I can arrange for a chauffeur to pick you up and take you to the hospital every day. Um, I bring a doctor from London, if it will make any difference. He was ready to do that. Wow. Um, he, was, he was serious. There was no joke. When we went and I told them, them I would visit their country after my parents had died. 
Mm-hmm. And the very first Christmas, I did not want to stay in the UK. Mm. So the very first Christmas, we went to their country. Mm. He came to pick me and my to go for a meal with another student who was his cousin and also in his father's gold Rolls Royce. (laughs) My goodness. And the first thing he did was he told my daughter, your mother is the only teacher who's ever understood me. Wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful. Let's um, um, let's just pause for a moment on that very, very positive note. Um, we're just going to quickly go to the news and uh, we will be right back afterwards. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common, a passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack Group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. The Scotsman reports on strike action by Scottish teachers planned to take place in the coming weeks. Scottish Education Secretary Shirley Ann Somerville has said there is no separate pot of money to fund an improved pay deal for school staff and that any improved pay offer would involve diverting cash from other areas. Strike action was announced after recent ballots and will be the first such action for almost 40 years. School staff are due to strike on November the 24th after members of Scotland's largest teaching union overwhelmingly voted in favour of the industrial action. The EIS union said 96% of its members backed the action via a ballot, which saw a turnout of 71%. The most recent offer of a 5% pay rise was rejected three months ago. Ms Somerville told the Scotsman that she was absolutely determined to try to reward staff with a pay rise closer to the 10% being sought by unions but warned it would lead to difficult decisions in other areas. In Wales, school children have been given the green light to support their national team in the group game against Iran. The Welsh Government has agreed to let schools decide how to manage the timetables during the game, which kicks off at 10am on Friday the 25th of November. The team is in the nation's first World Cup for 64 years. The FA of Wales has organised a football Friday for the day of the Iran game. Around 1,100 schools throughout the country are preparing for a full day of football activity. The Welsh FA has created packs including bunting, footballs, flags and posters to mark the event. Skills sessions, inter-school matches and football festivals are also planned for either side of the Iran game. Pupils in both primary and secondary schools are planning to take part in the events. FE Week focuses on the efforts of colleges across the country that have been instrumental in helping refugees from the war in Ukraine build a home away from home in the UK. Since the war began, around 7 million citizens of Ukraine have left their homes and almost 150,000 have found sanctuary in the UK. The country's colleges have dedicated their efforts to laying on ESOL courses to help refugees master English as well as other learning opportunities designed to help Ukrainians settle in. Whilst numbers vary from area to area, some colleges have signed more than 100 Ukrainian students onto courses. 
and not just for ESOL. At least 1,200 students are on A-level or other post-GCSE courses. But it's not just about teaching English. College staff have also worked to provide other practical support, such as free bus passes, lunch vouchers and loaned laptops. The full story can be found on the FE Week website. Finally, a new resource for secondary school age pupils has been launched to encourage young people to consider a career in the veterinary professions. The British Veterinary Association has endorsed the Vet Team in a Box resource, produced by University of Liverpool. The resource is designed in line with the Key Stage 3 National Curriculum and helps students participate in scenarios which aim to demystify the veterinary professions and remove perceived barriers to joining. The resource will be available later this month. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week let's talk gadgets and tech that helps us teach, but also might be something to hint at for a gift in the near future. Before I start, I'd like to define tech as anything that's been made that makes a difference to how we interact with the world, usually for the better. A pencil or scissors, for example, are classed as tech in my definition. That being said, let's look at what a few internet searches have brought up as must-have tech for teachers. Mini whiteboards, a favourite of Nathan Ginn, have got to be super useful. Things to watch though is pens running out, do you also need a cloth or a board rubber, and primary teachers don't let the kids keep them in the trays with the books, they make them look messy and get ink all over them. Interactive screens, are you team interactive or could you have had a big TV and spent the rest on other things? I love interactivity but my subject lends itself to it. Are you simply presenting on an overpriced screen? Things to check out are open source interactive software that's compatible with different devices. Sometimes you can be locked in by software. Having something you can use on almost any board might be for you, especially if your school has a mixed estate of kit and as it's open source, it will be free. The presentation clicker is a classic. Things to watch for is losing it, leaving the USB dongle behind and also ensuring you don't use the built-in class three laser to blind the class. Does anyone really use a laser pointer. A webcam, a topic I've discussed in the past, a decent webcam nowadays doesn't need to be expensive and can do as much as a visualizer. Think purpose and audience, then think desk space and the number of cables needed. What about simpler gadgets? Feedback stamps. With these, I'd just be certain the way feedback is given isn't going to change before you buy them to get value for money from the stamp. Ninja pens. Is it a ruler? Is it a pen? No, it's a spirit level and also a flat and cross-headed screwdriver. It looks cool, but if you get a cheap one, don't expect to be able to unscrew anything unless what you're unscrewing is made from cheese. As always, I'd love to hear about your favourite teaching tech. Let us know at TT Radio 2022. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. And welcome back. Susan, lovely to have you with me again. Um, we've had a, a, um, a very interesting conversation so far. I know um, you wrote your book to help, help teachers um, build confidence in the classroom. Um, what advice do you, would, you, would you give to teachers to help them build their confidence? plan your mm -hmm. lesson but the moment you go into the classroom relax aim to enjoy yourself by linking connecting with every person who's in the room mm. whether they are children whether they're adults whether there are 18 or whether there are eight mm. And also pay attention to them, their needs, their moods on that particular day. You might have to put your lesson aside or yeah. adopt it. And that doesn't mean you failed. So when you, I mean, obviously you have quite a lot of experience also observing teachers um yes. what what kind of um 
situations have you found yourself in and how have you helped teachers? I, I was taught um, doing it, it was a course to do with um, Estin inspections in Wales when they oh. go to FE colleges. And I believe that fee uh, feedback is a two-way thing and it needs to be two ways. And I go back to International House. I like an A4 piece of paper where I've got the good points and the suggestions. Mm -hmm. And I need the same number across. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and feed, the, the whole feedback is a, it's a two-way street and mm -hmm. that's important. Um, I've seen some lessons where in the first 10 minutes I have the outstand, outstanding feature easily mm. but I've also seen lessons where the opposite I am thinking oh god how am I going to do this feedback mm. and how am I going to keep it equal balanced and fair um, I think I wrote about the worst one, which was seeing students with tears in their eyes. Mm. And the teacher had done the class in high school and the class was all about homesickness. And she tried to empathize by saying that her relatives about 40, 50, 60 years ago were Italian Im immigrants to the US. Uh -huh. so she could understand how they felt. Unfortunately, um, I saw the tears, I saw the look on their faces, and I knew, and some of them, I knew their backstories. Mm. The um, lady from Kenya, who was black, mm. who was married to a German, who was white, and they both had to get in a car. They both had to run to the border to get out of the country in the car. She had the children with her. Mm -hmm. She made it to the UK. He didn't. Oh. And she was sitting in that class and she had, she was crying mm. and the teacher never noticed. That's a bit much, isn't it? <laughs> Not to it really notice was that. Too, yeah. When I've seen it yeah. bad, it's been it really too much. And that was too much. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Yes. And how did you feed back to this teacher? I asked her if I could see her after the lesson. When she was ready, I asked her to come to me. I made sure I went to talk to my line manager. Mm -hmm. so I wasn't overreacting. I started by asking her. Um, well, actually, I didn't. She walked in the room and told me, I've been teaching for 40 years and I still hate being observed. Right. And then I thought, okay, I'm not going to tell anybody how long I've been teaching. Mm -hmm. And that really did put me off. Mm. So it was basically doing Rachel's course um, that I realized you've got no choice, Susan. You've got to say how long you've been teaching. Mm. So Rachel Roberts made me change my mind with, and I don't think she knows this. <laughs> <laughs> well, she, she might now. I think, I mean... <laughs> I think there's a difference between, you know, if people want to notice your your years of experience is one thing, but to use that as, an, as a kind of a, a prelude in a situation, it, it's a situation where it's, where is it, where's it appropriate to use it and where it's not. It's like, well, I, I have 25 plus years experience, but um, I don't feel it. <laughs> I can still remember yeah, and lots of things about the tray about training up and um, yeah, yeah. But I, I have never, I have never made a class cry. Um, that's yeah. what makes a perfect lesson, Susan. A perfect lesson is balanced, active, because every okay, balanced, full participation mm -hmm. in in the lesson. And the lesson itself has an introduction, it has a development, and it has a conclusion. Mm. <laughs> Perfect. I think in a nutshell, it's mm. got to be on both sides. Yeah. Yeah. 
Definitely. Um, what inspired you to write your book? I think that I noticed, especially during the course with Rachel, I people were talking about different things. Hmm. And there were a number of occasions we were talking about something that involved teaching and I was being quiet. And I thought, okay, you've got to stop this. And then, so that was one on one side. On the other side, angle, I would say um, in one of the group coaching with Rachel, um, someone talked about doing a book. Mm. And then I thought, well, it's actually quite a good idea. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and it is actually very entertaining. Um, I found um, myself giggling. There is a reason, there yeah. is a reason for that. And I'm glad you have ended up giggling. Good. Mm. Even the proofreader told me that she ended up giggling. Mm. I wanted a, bo a book that it was similar to something there's a whole series of books called the xenophobes guide mm -hmm. and i was recommended to read the xenophobes guide to the welsh and i sat down one afternoon and i read it and i giggled with my cup of coffee my book on the sofa i had a really good giggle mm -hmm. and that's the type of book i wanted to produce I don't, didn't want it to be something that goes straight back to methodology, but something that's about the people you encounter in the classroom mm. and the situations that can come up. Well, yeah, I mean, our, our profession is quite unique, isn't it? Because you, I mean, obviously I speak to ELT professionals <laughs> every week and everyone has a different story, has mm. been somewhere different and done something different. Mm. But there's so much that we've learned along the way um very much i think that uh, yeah i can't it's uh, i can't say that i've taught every nationality mm -hmm. i don't know how many nationalities there are in the world and there are probably some that i might miss out mm. but you've had a um but i've taught a lot taught a lot <laughs> and oh, you've definitely. taught in a variety of places and, and in a huge variety of contexts. Do you have a preference for any particular country or, or teaching in general? I don't have a preference for any particular country, mm. but I would say looking back, I've noticed that I spent a lot of my life teaching Arabs. Mm in some form or other yeah it's a six to eight year old class of children or or whether it's young men who are going on to university mm. pre-sessional yeah IELTS pre-pre-sessional pre-pre-sessional okay <laughs> wow um when we chatted the other day you mentioned that you had a bit of a run-in with an inspector Oh, it, I wouldn't call it. It was a running. It running. Was, um, an experience. An, an interesting experience. So when you when you work in an FE college or higher education, the inspector is an inspector first, but it doesn't mean that they know your subject. And I taught a class, which at that time was called a three, which would be entry two, maybe B1, mm. working towards B1. And we had done the present simple and the present perfect. And my lesson plan was to start by quickly reviewing what we'd already learned. And I got the, the, them involved. We put it all on the blackboard as it was at that time in that school. Mm. And it was really something to look up, look at him, and to see the lights dawning in his eyes. <laughs> it turned out that he was, I think he was an engineer, an electrical engineer. Right. That was the subject, not, not English. <laughs> he was uh, observing your lesson. <laughs> he was observing my lesson. At that time, there was no individual feedback when there was an inspection. Uh, the, the main feedback went to the managers. And did they pass anything on to you? 
no yeah. the only thing they said was that generally they enjoyed it all that's who inspires you who inspires me mm. um I think probably I'm going to say in many ways my grandmother <laughs> okay. was an inspiration she was 11 she was put into service she worked all her life wow um she ended up managing a laundry that was attached to the local hospital mm-hmm. um she was she she didn't have a very good education um but she had a lot of knowledge life knowledge <laughs> oh yes life knowledge wonderful yes. um I suppose the other one I would say who inspires me has got to be my husband's grandfather okay who was my husband's Moroccan mm. and he was in the Moroccan army attached to the French army mm-hmm. he was a prisoner of war in Indochina and he when I went to Germany he laughed and told me he spent a month in the Black Forest on his way back from St Petersburg to Bordeaux and he left school when he was 14. My goodness. So I think it's this whole idea that um, people people have experiences, people have knowledge Mm. And it doesn't matter if you are very privileged or if you are not privileged at all. And it's the same when you go to European countries. You can Mm. see, I've done exams in Madrid. I've been to the the richest area of Madrid and done exams and one of the most deprived areas of Madrid and done exams in the same week. Mm quite it's quite an interesting um path isn't it the examining or particularly trinity exams they they, you do get to travel quite a lot um hopefully it will happen in the future but right now no no yeah hopefully things will get back on track what are your plans for the future okay i have um i've set up english line Hmm. i'm happy to work with people who are really they've got to they know what their goal is Mm. people who know what they want to achieve and what they're working towards um I like to do it online and I like to do it one-to-one yeah because then we've got a great chance of meeting their goals and I've done I'm also going to do on the website I want to put more materials Mm. which I'm hoping to do I've done the book um, I still do Trinity exams. Mm-hmm. So I, I've sort of got a lot, a number of hats. I was going to yeah. say, yes. yes. Yeah. I also had out of interest a LinkedIn uh, message from somebody. And I thought that um, maybe I'll, I'll say this. Mm. I, in the book, there are 21 questions. Mm. And I'd, I'd love the opportunity with teachers or with new teachers, old teachers, to actually um, take those questions. And if I had a whole group of teachers, discuss those questions and see what information comes up because I don't have all the answers and I don't have all the solutions. But you've got some pretty good anecdotes. I noticed that you um, in the book, there is also a section where you can actually copy and cut up yes. all the questions um, organized into sort of lesson plans, schools and teachers. Yes. Um, and I think that's that in itself is um, a really nice exam preparation. Well, um, you know, it's a it's a great start. And it, it, it um, they're questions that when you when you start teaching you probably don't even think of you learn those sort of things as you go along yeah them at all yeah 
um, but it's a very handy resource for them. And it also, if you don't think of them, mm. they're not part of, let's say, your CELTA, yeah. then you learn them as you go along. But I, I was thinking of a, like an advanced or a proficiency um, speaking activity. Mm. You can do something similar with that. Mm. And that means that you've got a chance to think about it in a much more informal way and talk about it yeah well that's the thing talking about it is is really really important, important. Yeah. so I think the other thing is I'd love the chance to do that with some teachers I think that sounds like a fabulous idea we'll to finish I have a quest a few silly questions or not silly questions oh, but a bit more a bit more sort of um what's your favorite word Susan my favorite word hmm. Ah, oh, okay. I'm sorry, but it's not English. My favorite. Okay, that's lovely. My favorite word has to be caveat. Hmm. It's well. Which means I'm sorry. It means um. It means caveat is love. Mm. Yeah. But it sounds sort of warmer. <laughs> it does. It sounds much warmer. Mm -hmm. And yes, so I'd say that's my favorite word. If you could switch lives with someone for a day, who would it be? I wouldn't want to. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Why would I want to do that? I suppose uh, we'd probably out of curiosity, see, see what their life is like. I'm going to say my younger self. Mm. But then mm. I'm sure. No, I don't want to. No. What would you say to your um, to your younger self? What advice would you give? Be strong. <laughs> um, be balanced in everything you do and keep doing the right thing. Wonderful. I think on that note, um, yeah. it's time to say good morning to you all and have a lovely Wednesday. And I will see you all back here same time next week. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming, Susan. Lovely talking to you as always. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.